You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Listeners and welcome to another episode of our Station One. That's right, folks. We're back, and we have a great one for you tonight. We are starting Halloween early, and we are going to be looking at the 50th anniversary of The Exorcist. That's right, folks. The movie that scared the hell out of me as a kid now just scared the hell out of me as an adult. So, thanks, Mike, for picking this one. It's pretty awesome, and it's going to be a great crew to talk all about this one. It's a William Frickin expedition, and it's going to be a lot of interesting stuff because we got a great crew here. Let's introduce, of course, Mr. Mark Maddox is here. Toodles. How's everybody go- doing? Good, Mark. And yep. we have Rebecca Perry joining us. Hi. Happy Halloween, everybody. Joining us for the very first time, of course, Burke Saul is here. Welcome. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks for being here, dude. Um, Appreciate it. And do you want to introduce yourself? Let people know who you are. Since this is your first time on the show. I don't have anything prepared. I need to do some research. Um, (laughs) Okay. um, (laughs) I don't know anything about me. So maybe. Okay. So I'll take over. (laughs) Anyway. How's that? Yeah. That's going to be good. (laughs) Well, give them a few of your creds. Give them a few of your creds. Um, I don't know. I just, I. Like what? What kind of credits? Like, okay, let me help you. He- heroes. You worked on heroes. Yes. Yes. Agents oh, oh mo- like movie, TV. There, yeah, spread. I worked on Hellboy. Whatever. I worked on Team yeah. America. I worked on uh, the. I worked. I, I I worked on Star Wars, and I can just leave it at that without explaining what Star Wars I worked on. Um, <laughs> I worked on. I worked on a lot of stuff out here. I'm old. I have many many credits. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, maybe Maddox won't be the oldest one on the show now. No, just no I think. Actually, I think Bert might be slightly older. I might be, yeah. Oh. Okay. So. De- December 61. What about you, yeah, Bert? I used to babysit Maddox back in Tallahassee when, <laughs> when I was going through my first divorce. Yeah. He used to say, go out in the yeah. traffic. <laughs> Run along. <laughs> just go out there. Have a good time. It, ex- it explains <laughs> so, so much, of course, of course. And, of course, we couldn't do the show without Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy, howdy. Yep. Uh, autumn is here, so that means it's spooky season. Oh, it is. It is. It's going to be a ton of fun. we got a lot of great things lined up for us this year. So I'm looking forward to what you're going to do. Absolutely, absolutely. This is the first of four uh, Countdown to Halloween episodes we're going to bring to you. So uh, without further ado, let's get right to it because we want to talk all about, there's a lot to talk about with The Exorcist uh, celebrating its 50th year this year, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, it was uh, a, actually 1973, but I think it came out like 
didn't it wasn't actually yeah it was released in december of 73 so it's not quite 50 just yet uh but um just a yeah smidgen. just a smidgen yes just and close enough. certainly uh a movie that i saw I didn't see it in the theater. I will admit, um, I saw it, uh, when I, I was much too early, I think, to, to see it. I was much too young to see it when I saw it. Um, and I, but I believe I saw it on TV. And to this day, like when I watched it this past weekend, there are scenes that shock me because I don't, I didn't remember those when I, when I first saw it on TV, of course, because it was edited, but even edited down, it, it scared the bejesus out of me. Um, so, uh, Rebecca, let's go to you first. Where, where did you first see, when did you first see the exorcist and what sort of impact did it make on you? Um, I also saw it at probably way too young of an age on broadcast television. And, um, I remember being again, really freaked out that a, there was, they were even showing anything like that on television. And I mean, I must've been 10. So <laughs> again, not the age you know, that one should probably be watching The Exorcist. But then again, I mean, I remember watching Night of the Living Dead when I was five. So I turned out fine. <laughs> yes, yeah, you did. Good. So much into your behind the scenes. So this explains <laughs> so much about you, Rebecca. I Yeah, it probably does. Um, I do distinctly remember, you know, because this was broadcast television, it had one of the best dubs that I've ever heard. I don't know how, what I'm allowed to say on the podcast if I can use, you know. Say whatever you want if it's bad. I'll so, you know, out. the very famous scene where Reagan is, you know, cursing at the priest and she says, your mother sucks cocks in hell, was dubbed over for broadcast television by her saying, your mother sews socks in hell. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was yeah, your I mother's still, still rocks in hell. And it was actually done by, it was done by William Friedkin. He actually tried to duplicate mercedes mccambridge's voice when he when they did the dubbing oh yeah it's really? a, wow i could have sworn it was so i think that was a saturday hell, night live skit. they so did a better. saturday night live parody of it and that was the, your mother so socks in hell <laughs> it was like eddie murphy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. gotcha okay i can gotcha. see that yeah both are yeah, both, both are good though, both work yeah uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, and either one is still yeah. creepy yeah uh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> still creepy uh, uh, Burke, what about you? What was your first, uh, exposure? To I read the, the book and, uh, I remember just being obsessed with horror movies when I was a kid, when I was, you know, way too young, I, you know, couldn't wait to see all those movies, the Omen and the Exorcist. And I wasn't able to see the Exorcist. And, um, when it first came out, of course, cause I was a little bit too young in, in, in theaters, but I think I saw it pretty Pretty soon after, and I believe Mark and I determined that maybe we saw it together first, for like the at the more more uh, the first time I saw it was at the Moore Auditorium at over at FSU. Yeah, I think. And you were like, "Hey, The Exorcist is playing." And I'm like, uh, "Okay." <laughs> and then we went. And it was like, and it was the same year we saw Night of the Living Dead, and I was like, yeah. "Okay," <laughs> you know. And I was like, went there scared crapless it was and, back when uh, a movie could still and, do that to you you know where you where it was like an sure. it was it was like an endurance test kind of a thing like going to we went there and saw texas chainsaw massacre as well so the exorcist was in that yeah that group of right. movies where it was Luster. like your palms are sweating going into the theater you know yeah yeah mm -hmm. and you face yeah. the dragon and you and you feel great and then later when you've calmed down you start to look at this stuff and go 
there's some real great artwork. There's yeah. great art in it, these. It got me interested you know, in movies so. more than I already was. I, it got me into the the idea of how you know how it was so powerful for me, and it just stuck with me. And I, my my brain started asking all those questions like, why is it so powerful? What about it was um what was it about this film how, how it was constructed how it was written how it was acted how it was composed and blocked out i mean what was it that made it so powerful and i think that's what you know led one of the movies that led me down this uh terrible path that i've been on ever since <laughs> and man mark that was your first time seeing it as well yeah yeah, yeah. um i I mean, I was blown away by it. Uh, it was intense. It was scary. But, you know, it's sort of like getting on the roll. You know, there's people that want to be on roller coasters and they 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 do it. They get done and they get off and they go, I, I survived. And, you know, um, it, that and Alien and Chainsaw and all that other stuff, um, you you go through them. And then, and then you get sort of, uh, I don't want to say jaded, but it's like, okay, I've done, you know, how bad can, can anything be anymore? So you sort of sit there and go, yeah, okay, let's, well, we'll watch this now. But that <laughs> one was, that one is still, even tonight when I watched it again, um, I felt that the documentary style of it still makes it the best modern horror film. And just, opinion, I have to shiny. say, Ellen Burstyn makes that film for me in so many ways. She, she is so oh, very much absolutely good in that film and just an absolute real person and that for me is what really sells movies like this it's an i mean when you think about it it's a fairly absurd idea but when you populate your absurd idea with these actors who who have such gravitas and and realism and I mean, you immediately, I mean, the first time you see her, you immediately believe that she's a real person. She's an actress in, uh, you know, and yeah. this is her daughter and this is their life. And the way she relates to the people that she works with is so realistic. And, and her her presence in the film is so powerful. That's what makes the absurd parts of it. You buy it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's like, like with my kids, I, I, I said, Hey, lab rats, come here. (laughs) And they sat down and they, uh, we're going to finally watch the exorcist. Cause I had shown like Ava a YouTube clip when she was 10 and, and, uh, Mercedes McCambridge's voice where she goes, uh, and Ava just stood up. I swear to God, the only thing that didn't happen is her hair turned white and she slowly walked out of the room like, nope, ain't going there. Uh, They're about late. 16 or 17 years old or whatever and they're watching it and when the movie was over i said to the kids i said okay what did you like it yes we absolutely liked it what was the best thing about it first off the mom that was the first thing that they said wow yeah that, that that's really cool um because i've seen so many you know because like with a lot of this happens with so many groundbreaking classic movies is that you know 50 years later when i see people talking about them now and discovering them now young people or whatever they're just like, oh, it's boring. Right. It's this. It's that. It's tame. I don't see what the hype was about, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm watching it this weekend, and I'm like, it still works on every level that it's supposed to. I don't know what people are complaining about. Um, Mike, what about you? What's uh, what was your first experience with this one? Actually, my first experience with it was Mad Magazine's <laughs> take on it. Actually, <laughs> so I I got to experience that way. 
And, you know, I thought, oh, this looks weird and scary about demonic possession and such. And as I've mentioned many times on the show, you know, I basically grew up in front of the TV. I, you know, my parents, you know, that was our babysitter, you know, was HBO, was early versions of cable. And The Exorcist happened to be on. And my parents were out for the night. And so me and my sister, who was like six years old at the time, and, you know, maybe even younger, I think she might have been five. And um, we watched it. And because this was like 1975, 76. So it was the night HBO put the warning on the beginning or the yes. the, the, the statement. Oh, yeah. I remember that. If HBO has to put a statement yeah. on, you know you're in trouble. Exactly. Wow. You know. So we watched the uncut <laughs> version of it that they showed at the movies. And my sister ran screaming out the night. The, at the vomiting scene. Yeah. And it was just like she ran out. She's like, uh-uh, I'm out of here. And I watched the whole thing, scared. HBO. And I slept probably for the next month with the lights on in my bedroom. And that's how much it affected me. And like Mike said, over the, he watched it over the weekend. I hadn't watched it probably in a good 20 years. And I watched it today and during the afternoon. And still had the same effect on me. I was riveted. I could not look away. It was yeah. so good. And there were parts where I wanted, my, my stomach felt like it was going to come up. And it was just like, all right, I'm out of here, you know, type thing. That's And, and probably not just the possession ones, because the hospital and the, the testing scenes are almost just oh, as what they were doing to poor unnerving. Oh, as, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is actually the scene that more people said, you know, the thing about people fainting and throwing up and stuff. The scene where they stick that thing in her neck and a little yeah. squirt of blood comes out, oh, more yeah. people threw up or passed out or ran out of the place because of that because we can i've seen people do i cut my finger one time this guy turned big old tough guy turned completely green <laughs> and just put his face towards the wall and just i thought he was just gonna die some people just can't take it mm -hmm. you know no well yeah. and just the just the scariness i mean of you know if you've ever been in a hospital and just the scariness of all those machines and especially if you're a little kid and you don't really understand yeah what's happening to you and you know what's going on and um yeah that that actually kind of upset me like re-watching it that upset me more than any of the demonic stuff because I can relate to that bit like you know that you know I understand being afraid of that like the you know the demonic thing you know I, yeah, I don't I'm not it, a religious well I'm not a religious person so that is right. sort of more fantasy yeah. to me but like the, the, the more medical stuff and the just not understanding and, you know, and then the mom, you know, be feeling so helpless, yeah. you could see and her sitting with all these doctors and no one can tell her what's wrong with her daughter. Um, sure. That was, that was, you know, very, I thought, again, Ellen Burstyn, that was incredibly to me, powerful that's the, to watch That's her the visceral yeah. part of this film is the fact that someone you love, someone, an innocent child, your, your child, you know, you're. And some, to me, those are the films where there is this visceral horror that's inherent in it, where you have something like Rosemary's Baby, where your beloved husband is doing something really, is he really doing this? You know, and you don't really, you realize, I don't know this person. And 
with this film, it's the it's it's that with the daughter, and she feels that something has changed in her daughter, and there's a you know it's that that to me is the visceral part of the horror is the is that realization that this person that you love and trust that that they have all those early scenes where they're sort of you know cuddling together in the bed and talking about her birthday party and all this stuff, and you really get a sense of the mother daughter love and the how close they are and how natural they are together and when it starts when that thing that something that happens when you know when people get like maybe alzheimer's or something or go through some sort of a a change and it is heartbreaking and and profoundly disturbing and i think that's that's what ellen burston really portrays in this too is that what you were saying that helplessness of seeing your daughter become a thing and she doesn't know what's happening and what to do. She can't help her daughter. And 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 when and I was would... a when I was a little kid, I walked into I, it was middle of the night. Me and the wife are asleep. We hear this massive scream in the next room. I run in there, and my daughter, the entire weight of her body is on the back of her neck. Her entire torso, legs, and everything are straight up in the air. Her head is like this, and her the rest of her body's up like that, and she's kicking, and she's screaming, "Get away from me, Ugh. God damn it, get away from me!" And I walk in, and I'm like, "What in the?" I mean, I'm Ellen Burstyn. I'm, I, I should put on the dress and get the bouffant hairdo. I mean, <laughs> and I'm like, "What the hell?" And and, and then it was like, uh, and you, I couldn't wake her up, couldn't wake her up. Tried to, you know, and then finally she calmed down hour later we're in bed same thing happens again and i'm like what is going on and something said this sounds like a horror story you read one time night terrors so i went downstairs to the internet typed in night terrors and sure enough everything was described it's a dream you can't wake somebody up from they lose it they're freaking out you can't wake them up and everything like that never happened again ever wow thank god for that god that's terrifying it was the um after uh, I watched the movie this weekend, I was doing some more research and uh, I saw an, a review by uh, Pauline Kael and who, who wrote at the time. Of course, she was horrified by the whole movie uh, and not in a good way. And one of the, her criticisms was that you never really get to feel the 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 what what Reagan and her mom are going through. And I was like, I don't know what movie you yeah. watched. And and maybe that's true of that. Maybe that's true of Reagan. Because Reagan is possessed through eighty five percent, ninety percent of this movie. Um, but as far as as what you know, Chris McNeil, uh, Ellen Burstyn's character is going through. Like I feel for her the entire time, um, and uh, that scene. What really impressed me this time: the scene between her and uh, Kinderman, the cop, Lee J. Cobb where she figures out as she realizes that her daughter killed this guy, her, you know, the director. And I mean, the w- look on her face, the work that she does on that scene is top notch. Yeah. I mean, that's, Fantastic. that is, yes. It's, it's one of brilliant. my favorite scenes in um, all of cinema, actually, just the, the subtleties yeah. in that with her yeah. and him, the way the camera slowly pushes in on her and then it slowly pushes in on him and then after they've hit that resolution, the camera starts slowly pulling away from her and away from him. And there's a scene <laughs> yeah. where she turns away from him with the teacups and they 
they sort of rattle together and she gets this look on her face like it's giving her pain like she's thinking is is reagan gonna hear this and wake up you know and and that look on her face too that that when she asks him does he want some more tea and he says yes i think i do and you know she didn't want she just <laughs> wants like, him Damn. to freaking leave and he's like yes i think i will yeah. have some more and she's like okay you know it's like <laughs> it's so nicely done that scene <laughs> yeah. Should have won an Oscar yeah. for this role. Oh, absolutely, it's so. Well, I mean, I know that was, that was her... she nominated. Was she yeah. nominated? Oh yeah, oh absolutely. She, yeah, she was nominated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who, who? It was her and Linda Blair both got nominated. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. And, Linda and... got got. Unfortunately, it was released uh, during that campaign, her Oscar campaign, that uh, she didn't do a lot right. of the voices. Uh, so well, that that hurt well, Linda Blair's chances. Uh, and actually, right. it went to another. Uh, child actress. I think it went to uh, Tatum McNeil. Oh, Tatum O'Neill. Tatum O'Neill for uh, Tatum uh, Paper Moon or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. yeah. So but there was a lot of body um, replacement stuff. There's Eileen Dietz did a lot of um, body mm -hmm. doubling for her during a lot of the possession scenes, and Mercedes McCambridge did a lot of the, in fact, most of the voices, along with other people who did voices too. There was a lot of um, a lot of really creative audio sound work in this film too that was um that i believe was nominated in fact um it did win it won, yeah maybe it was are you related yeah. to the guy that the the if the, the, the editor yeah buzz the dubbing Knudsen. editor buzz knudson is my or was my oh, cousin wow. yeah <laughs> that's oh, okay. cool yeah 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 i got uh yeah nominated uh, uh it was the first horror movie to be nominated for yeah. best picture um uh blatty won for the best adapted screenplay while the sound engineers took for yeah. best sound so those were the only two uh, awards it walked out with but i mean at the time it was very controversial because no no movie like this had ever been nominated for any yeah. of these kinds of awards so it, it really yeah. broke new ground uh box office wise uh i think warner brothers said at one point if you adjust for inflation it's their most profitable movie ever. It's their highest grossing movie ever. I certainly know it's on the list of top uh, movie R-rated yeah. movies uh, yeah. grossing. Um, now, now it's interesting because it's hard for us to, I guess, do a podcast without mentioning Barbie. But um, now Warner Brothers saying Barbie is their yeah. highest grossing movie of all time. But um, uh, so look for Barbie meets The Exorcist coming next year. Yeah, they got to do no. a double bill. Yeah, <laughs> double bill of those two. <laughs> If you can put Oppenheimer with Bobby, why the hell not? The Barbie, the, the Barbie cyst, the Barbie cyst, yeah, yeah exactly. Barbie cyst. <laughs> yeah. Coward Barbie composing. Um, uh, okay, so um, yeah, the the performances and I, and uh, by Eleanor Gray, I'm glad we talked about that. One of the things I wanted to mention too was when I first saw it. Um, I don't know which order I saw these in or whatever, but I saw these all around the same time, and there was a sort of I call it my sort of. The, the trilogy of these like spiritual horror movies. And and you mentioned Rosemary's baby. That's one of them. The Omen, uh, the Omen yeah. is another one. And this mm -hmm. one as well. And these horror movies to me work on an entirely different level than any of sort of the classic horror movies that I was used to growing up. Um, certainly way different than the monster movies, universal and, and we're coming out of Japan and stuff like that. I mean, this is these stuff. This wasn't like, this wasn't just like mythical creatures or or creatures that you know were exposed to some sort of radiation these were like these were ones that got under literally get under your skin um yeah. and 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 in those three movies really focus on children 
being pawns of this like huge like spiritual battle and i wasn't catholic i didn't grow up catholic or anything i was a protestant but still i mean i think i i mean we went to church every all the time and these these sort of were these sort of movies really affected me that way um now rebecca i know you said that you weren't um that religious but um but did you feel that with those that this movie was different in that respect um, I did in that, um, you know, as I said, I am not a religious person. I didn't grow up particularly religious. I mean, my parents, like we kind of, a, we'd go to church on Christmas and Easter and that was about it. Um, but my relatives definitely were. And um, I remember, you know, they really were kind of against um, stuff like this. I mean, more so because I was born in the 70s. So I'm old enough to remember all the satanic panic of the 80s. You know, right. with horror, you know horror movies and video games and rock music and stuff. <laughs> so they were definitely like, oh yeah, they were very much like they would organize protests, you know, through their church to go, you know, protest the latest Nightmare on Elm Street or Ozzy Osbourne show or whatever. So I was definitely aware that you know, oh, this is, um, you know, this is definitely, as you said, Mike, it's definitely different than you know your typical like Frankenstein and Dracula. And things like that, because I think it definitely affects you on a much more psychological level than just some creature that jumps out of a closet and scares you. I mean, as you said, you know, it's it's attacking not only, you know, kids, but, you know, um, you know, not even your physical being, but in a sense, but also like your spiritual being. You know, if you, if that's, or, you, you know, or your very being, kind of, right? <laughs> or your very being. And not only that, but, you know, obviously it's affecting the people around you. And, you know, as we saw with The Exorcist, um, this, you know, the demonic possession can jump from person to person if it wants to, or, you know, it can move um, from, from person to person and from, um, you know, it, and from time to, from time and place. And, um yeah i think there it definitely i mean like i said even now it definitely does affect me a little bit in that it's i think this movie still holds up um like you said you know 50 years later we're still talking about it and you know i just watched it last night and i mean i watch horror movies don't really affect me other than that i'm really interested in how they're made and um and you know this one is not an exception but you know, I did definitely, there were a couple of times even watching it, I, I got chills a couple of times, and I never get chills watching horror movies, so. And I think also, I mean, even if you take the spiritualness out of it, though, I mean, these are, this movie is based on, like, a like real cases. So, I mean, you know, there that have taken sort of a legendary mythic quality to them, but still, you get the feeling when you're watching this that this is something that could happen. Like, I, I, no matter what is going on, what the whatever the explanation is going on, there's an authenticity to it that I think is that was missing from a lot of the horror movies that I was exposed to before this, I think. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, someone could you could, you know, I guess now you could maybe explain it as a cycle. You're having a, you know, a psychological episode. It's, you know, exactly. something going on in your head. But, you know that's it still doesn't make it any less scary because that is something that could happen to any of us whereas you know i mean as much as i may want to see the creature from the black lagoon you know 
<laughs> probably not going to happen. I, in my in my <laughs> worldview, I I don't I have like probably a maybe twenty five percent less than zero um religi religiosity, and so and I never really believed that demonic stuff but this is literally one of my favorite movies um and has been for years i've studied this movie and i and i i like you said um earlier you said you watch it as a fantasy and that's how i watch it and fantasies can be very powerful to me i mean I, this is some of my favorite i mean pretty much every horror movie is something that i don't believe you know it's, you know, you, you every, I love Stephen King, but I don't read his books and say, wow, that could actually happen. You know, it's a, I read them because the, 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 the mythology and the, you know, the mythology of it is powerful for me. And I think those are tropes, you know, the Joseph Campbell stuff, you know, you go back to those ancient tropes that have been scaring us since the dawn of intelligence, you know, people have been trying to scare us with magical you know, an invisible person out there. So don't go there. You know, if I don't want you to steal mm -hmm. my stuff, I say that it's protected by a magical being that will tear you apart if you touch my things. You know? <laughs> so that people have always used those kind of mythical stories around the, the and and also the stories of the the omni powerful being that they defeated. You know, I I went out and there was a it wasn't just a bear, it was a super bear. And I, I killed it. You know, those are the origins of horror stories, I think. And, and also the fact that I think we spent most of our evolutionary development being, you know, pre pre-human development, being terrified of predators, hiding from predators and learning how to identify predators. And I think whatever, whatever genetic memory we have left in us that, that uh, still kind of has those, um, those feelings i think that's what horror movies give to us is they give us that uh there's something familiar about it something in our genetic memory that makes us think you know predators and we can like the way we can see oh, very much. oh yeah or, and... yeah or i mean goes back to when we we're all sitting around a campfire yeah. you know as cavemen and making up stories and i mean we're still doing that now it's just you know we're reaching a yeah. bigger audience than <laughs> than oh, just the four so. or five the people in our right. small tribe you know oh, very much so it goes back to the cave times when you know we were afraid of what was in the dark you didn't know what was out there what predators were out there that could hurt us and everything yeah. and it just goes through and the the psychological story of this is just amazing in this movie you literally feel the hairs on the back of your neck go up at certain points there were i was watching this in broad daylight and i still felt like there was something behind the chair that i was sitting yeah. in watching <laughs> this is william and Friedkin, and, i think oh no and yeah. he's amazing in this this is just his this is one of his masterpieces and the book i don't know how many of you read the book um by william peter but widely it's yeah fantastic so is legion um, and goes into i you yeah, Legion, and yeah, you get a lot yeah, more detail with, you know, not only, you know, um, the the family with Reagan and Chris, but you also get more, you know, insight into Father Karras and Father Marin and, you know, what Karras is going through with his mother yeah. and um, it's just, even um, the, um, I'm blanking on their names, but the the couple that, that work for Chris and, yeah. you know, the family, Sharon you even get a little bit yeah. more backstory into them, yeah. 
Um, and it's just, it, it just makes it, yeah. it richer and highly recommend it if you haven't read it. Yeah. That's, uh, um, the, uh, I don't know if it was 25 years or some anniversary, um, that they did. And now I think it's been two decades since then. Uh, but they came out with a sort of director's cut for you can put together another set, uh, with more footage, including the famous spider yeah. walk, uh, that, uh, Ooh. uh, that, uh, and to be honest with you, I know I've seen like clips of the spider walk, but I don't know that I've ever actually seen the extended director's cut. I do believe is, I know that they're showing, uh, they're, they're showing it in theaters this weekend. Uh, on a, uh, I think Fathom Events is doing a special screening before the, uh, the new one comes out. Um, uh, and I think they're showing the director's cut, um, sort of as a tribute to yeah. William Freakin as well. But, um, uh, have you guys seen it? Is it worth seeing? Is it, is it better? Is it? I can't yeah, remember that's... whether I've seen it or not. That's what's <laughs> well, weird. I mean, I remember not... the scene like you, Mike. I, I just a little, you know, going down the stairs, but I'm like, I don't know, man. When you got perfection, I don't even know if I want to see it. You I, know, I mean, that sounds kind of crappy, but yeah. Well, I mean, there's actually like not the... a lot more added. To be honest, I have. I, I that's what I watched was the director's cuts. That's the one that I have on Blu-ray. And there's right. not. I mean, it's not like there's. It's not like you know the Lord of the Rings extended edition or anything. Where <laughs> it's not like an hour you know, longer. <laughs> a lot, hour longer or anything. I mean, I think it's just like a few minutes, maybe. Yeah. It's, not yeah, that much. I mean, things. there's that famous there. Yeah. It's the famous bit with, you know, the, her walking, doing a spider walk down the stairs. And I think there might be a little bit more with, um, uh, uh, the mother, Paris's mother, maybe like it, but honestly, there's not, and it just, it looks a little crisper and, you know, it's cleaned up a yeah. bit more, but the version I, I saw, mean, uh, on, Copy I on, watched tonight was, yeah, you watched it on, that Max. on Max. Yeah, that's a nice copy. Good. Oh man, that's a it very is. nice copy. I was seeing also. stuff tonight when I was watching it. I saw stuff. I'm like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, oh, the, I didn't realize the, that before. The One cinematography of the things, on this is is amazing. There's more connectors in this film, and and I love the fact that I'm still watching it. This is probably fiftieth, sixtieth, seventieth time I've seen this film, and that's actually low for a lot of movies that I love. Uh, is uh the fact that the little, uh, you know, Reagan, she, she does those little sculpts and then they go into the church and then there's that heinous thing done to the Virgin Mary or whatever. And I'm like, it looked like it could be sculpted by yeah. the same person, which is, and I, I didn't even think be, about that. Yeah, it's exactly. like, and the fact yeah. that Reagan is never yeah. shown outside until the very end, she's always confined in a hospital or that house. But I actually saw the yeah. – I've seen so many versions of the film, I, and I've seen it four times. I've seen this movie four times with William Friedkin, actually. And oh, wow. the wow. director's cut wow. – um, and, and several times with uh, William Peter Blatty as well and and cast and, and various crew – um, just, you know, living in, living in this town, you get experience, you get the opportunities like that. But, um, the one time we saw the director's cut, um, it, it was in a screening, like a smaller screening room. And, um, I got to talk to him about it a little bit and I kind of got to kind of express my not likingness of it to him a little bit. <laughs> 
of, of what? Like, of the director's you know, cut? Because oh, he stuck in, cut. he did, the, oh, you know, the subliminal things, you know, the face that they call Captain Howdy, the, um, the, you know, that. Right. Oh, yeah, that shows up a little bit. Stick it in there and it shows up on like the side of the refrigerator and it shows up on Reagan's bedroom door. And it's almost like like somebody over there with a projector going, you know. And it's it's not effective to me. It doesn't um, it's not it takes it out of scary for me. It looks like spook house ride, you know, kind of thing. And the oh, spider okay. walk huh. is wow. so awkward. You can tell that that it, that the physics of it isn't right because they had to do her. On, they put her on a harness, and, and you know, obviously, it's not the young actress. It was, I, I believe, a stunt woman that was doing this, like you know, I don't know, contortionist kind of stuff backwards. And then the, she runs up to the mom and licks her leg, and it's a. Uh, it just seemed a little bit. It was too much. That scene was so effective. Uh, without that this because the lights are flickering and the phone rings and nobody's there and and then the whole thing about you know burke's dead one of my favorite lines in a movie but uh (laughs) but uh, that to me i just didn't like it and i told you know i actually told him that i didn't like it so much and (laughs) and uh, he was like well to each his own you know but uh (laughs) i think he was i think he wasn't really too concerned about it at that point i think it was just another version that they could put out and i mean i hate to say it but it was probably like you know they probably you know moved some more copies of it and yeah it was a little bit of that because william peter blatty had been talking for years about the original cut that he had seen of the film which was I think 35 minutes longer or 28 minutes longer or something like that, which included the spider walk and included some exposition and some other parts where she talks a little bit more with the doctors. There's a little bit more uh, spiritual talk between the priests out in the hallway in front of Reagan's room. There's a few things that they left out, but it just, um, Friedkin, I think wisely took that stuff out because it's almost like you don't too much exposition is I, I don't know it can kind of ruin the mood of something where if you're if you're left yeah. to your own to your own uh, intellect intellect to to determine what is happening what you're seeing on the screen if you're allowed to interpret that yourself it tends to have more resonance i think and i think he's letting us friedkin was letting us see what what was happening and uh, Blatty, being a being a words person, was wanting us to hear the words of what was happening. That was my interpretation. And uh, Friedkin did his cut, right. his director's cut, almost to appease what uh, William Peter Blatty had been asking for all these years. You know, and they worked so closely together on the film. But Blatty was not allowed in editing. Yes, I understand. Oh, I, I I I believe when the the final cut was first uh, released, I I believe the two didn't speak right. for a while because Buddy was kind of upset, and then took a while, and and there was a like, look, I mean, we don't have time to get into <laughs> even half of it, but there's so many stories about the making of this movie, and it doesn't sound like it was a very happy set. Um, it took a long time. Uh, there's a lot of like stuff that happened afterwards, um, uh, during the, the, the editing process, certainly, uh, there was a lot of, um, uh, discussions about, well, a lot of things that happened with the soundtrack, the set, the score, yeah. uh, I tried a couple of different people yeah. that didn't work out. 
but then again, you know, I think the the tubular bells uh, thing oh, worked out pretty great, well for them, didn't oh, it? God, yeah. yeah, the music oh, and the sound God. through the whole film, the that, pieces, that music sequence where fantastic. Again, we're we're focusing on the mom, which is interesting because I, I had no idea we were going to do that in this discussion, and it's great because I noticed it too last during the weekend. But where she's just walking yes. down the street, and it's the only real moment of calm that you have during the movie. It's like the calm before the storm. Um, but Tubular Bells is playing and, and you know, the, the, the kids in Halloween yeah. costumes go by. And, and the nuns. I'm like, I'm like, man, if this isn't something that that John Carpenter didn't like look and try to recreate yes. in Halloween with. Uh, I, I mean, it just has that same the vibe to blowing, it. Just like yeah. puts I, you into place. Absolutely. I told I told Burke that my favorite we were talking about the other day when I was begging him, pleading to him to come on the show. <laughs> And okay. it was uh, and it was the fact that my favorite shot in the whole film, and I've actually done illustrations of it before, are the two yeah. nuns walking, right, with with the with the thing, and they're kind of they're backlit, so their faces are like black. But I just think that it's amazing. There is not one one frame in this film that is wrong yeah. to me. Uh, in the in the you know, seventy three theatrical uh, version, you're talking about. Yeah, in the seventy-three theatrical version, I I, agree. I I look at this, and there is not one extra moment. There's not one. It's it's just absolutely perfect all the way through. Now I've said this before: there is no such thing as a perfect film, and I still believe that. But there is how close can you get to perfection? This movie borders I would, on. I that. would agree with that. I, I don't. Uh, I don't think there's any way you can tell this story yeah. better. There's like, no. This is, every character in this film is wonderful. The guy at the end, at the bottom of the steps, when when Damien has thrown himself down and he's yeah. asking him, "Can I give you your last rites?" and he's holding his hand. I mean, it's a tearjerker. Uh, he's um, a real priest uh, too. Kinderman. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, Lee Jacob. By the uh, the uh, the uh, the astronaut when she goes, you're going to die up there, and then she urinates on the on the rug. Yeah. By the way, there's if anybody's ever interested, this is a pretty wacky movie. But if you get a chance, watch the ninth yes. ninth configuration, which is supposed to somewhat it's be tied into that Peter astronaut yeah. story. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it. Yeah. But if you if you, I mean, to me, I I've, I've seen this movie so many times. And tonight I was like, okay, I'm going to be real serious here. I'm going to watch this son of a gun and everything. And, oh, by the way, Paul yeah. Kale sucks. But anyway, uh, so I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, this is a this is as close to a perfect movie as a yeah. movie can get. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know. I mean, it's like everybody's wonderful. I, I love everybody in this film. Everybody in this film uh, is fantastic from I'm Swiss yeah. to, you know, to the to, to Karis to – and. Bloody know, let's try real quick if you get a chance gordon <laughs> let's talk about makeup i was gonna, gonna bring talk up about makeup yeah. let me know but i'll shut up i can we can, I, we can, we can do it max von Seedow was exactly was yeah. in his 70s and then i yeah. watched exorcist 2 a few years later i'm like hey wait a minute where did they when, get this really they, good looking young guy when they know. announced that max von Seedow was gonna play being the merciless i was like he He's is way, way too old, old. Yeah. like i was like there's no about way. to die it's the single it might be my i if somebody ever asked me what is your single favorite makeup in the history of film it ain't the reagan it ain't the barfing it ain't the head spinning around it ain't all these other films it isn't even the jack pierce frankenstein makeup. it is it is him as father Karras. you know a lot of you know, that is the makeup, makeup only goes so far though his, his i was going to say the makeup yeah. only goes so far and i think when i was watching it this time i kind of noticed the makeup more than i did, have ever noticed it but 
his performance, he yeah. acts like he's 80 years old in that. I mean, he, he's yeah. shaking. He's he's he looks sore. He looks like everything hurts when he moves. Well, that, that you could tell earlier in amazing. the morning he was more normal, and then when he saw the statue, yeah, yeah. and everything, he's he becomes daughter. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I also got you. I don't agree with you. We'll we'll arm wrestle for the makeup thing later because I think the makeup. I, I've actually done portraits of him it's from that. He's so good. A little bit in this one, yeah. You know, as yeah. it's going on, and it's. I I was yeah I was absolutely shocked when I found out he was like what forty four when he filmed this. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Because I was just like, did he? Does he always just looked like he's seventy? Because <laughs> it's like you see movies, Amazing. you see things where he's done, you know, thirty years after doing this, and I'm like, he looks exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> you get out the calculator, and w- when was he playing death on the beach, yeah. playing chess yeah. with the guy? I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm like, right. you know, I got to. I mean, he he was. I was amazing. lucky. I got to spend some time with Dick Smith and talk to him quite a bit about The Exorcist and. And I think you were saying earlier that uh, you didn't you imagine it was probably a very difficult set to be on. And that was one of the things he went on about, because um, I've I've worked on countless films and most of the time you're fairly comfortable. The crew is made to be comfortable. There are union rules. There's OSHA rules. (laughs) There's safety rules. And that was during those um you know, raging bull days of the uh, of the seventies when there wasn't a whole lot of safety stuff and old time. You know, a lot of these old timers that I talk to are they are hilarious. They're like, yeah, no, we were. You know, they had those poison pots, smoke pots inside the room with no ventilation all day, all night. We were shooting, you know, seventeen hour days, and and Dick Smith was saying the room that. Reagan was in Reagan's bedroom was literally built inside a refrigeration unit. A refridge, right? Refrig- a fridge, it yeah. was like I don't know if you guys have Costco, but when you go into the produce rooms, <laughs> it was colder than that because they had to get it cold enough to where you could see vapor. You couldn't do that digitally yet, you know. So you had to see the the vapor. And also, um, he was saying that they had <laughs> this is horrible. But they had people in there spraying them with uh, glycerin so that they would look like they were sweating while still breathing this vapor. So they had like freezing glycerin, you know, blocking their pores or whatever, you know, just gradually poisoning them through the skin. And he said, yeah, it was a it was a nightmare. But he said pretty typical of a 70s film. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, the I know uh, a lot of people got hurt on this set, yeah, dude. I know both, Linda Blair got hurt, Ellen Burstyn got hurt really yeah, bad. Yeah, they both and... got hurt by uh poor yeah. harnesses, uh harness work and then I think, you know, that you know, from what I hear, uh William Freakins running around with a uh, shooting yeah, guns every once in a while reactions. just to keep people like to get reaction shots or whatever and you never know when he's going to fire off a pistol and it's just like my goodness. I asked him uh, about that. Yeah. And it took like, and it took a long time. It was only supposed to take like 80 days to shoot or whatever. And it took like, I think 200 or something like that. It took like over, oh, yeah, they went way over. So mm-hmm. they I asked went him way about over, the gun but, and he um, said, oh, they were blanks. Well, sure. But <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. care. Someone, someone comes yeah. up right behind you and fires a blank. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, um, and even if you tell me you're going to shoot it, I'm still going to. You know, make- no, David Cronenberg <laughs> right, so did that as well it. in uh, Dead Zone, and, and so sometimes when you when you see Christopher Walken when he touches people and he goes like that, um, they Cronenberg <laughs> was firing a firing a gun, and it was like, ooh, you know, you, 
<laughs> but of course they replace the sound uh, so you don't hear the gun so it just looks like a you know <laughs> startled oh my god so we're getting ready to wind down. I have to ask, we've got, uh, you know, we've got these, this new one coming up, the exorcist believer, which is coming up, I think in another week or so, uh, it's, I believe the sixth movie in this franchise. Uh, there's been, uh, a TV series, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Rebecca, I'm going to turn to you first. Is there anything after this one worth watching? Um, I mean, I'm definitely going to check this out. I honestly don't know a lot about the new one other than what I saw at Halloween Horror Nights. And Ellen Burstyn is supposed to be uh, reprising and she her is role repri- in the new one. And she's reprising her role, which And there's rumors that Linda Blair might be too, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've um, I've got actually got tickets for an advanced screening of it next Tuesday, I think. Um, and then I'm going to go see the, the uh, anniversary screening on Sunday. Uh, beforehand so with some people that have never seen the exorcist before Ooh. so that should be fun yeah i'm excited there uh, this is this is going to be interesting so um i think i stopped I, I, after the fourth one i just didn't really care after that um and even that one was a I, stretch I, so. I, the second one yeah is you know the third one i actually i actually exorcist three i actually think is pretty yeah. good yeah um, I and i would recommend that one if, if that. no one has seen it that's yeah, and Brad, it's yeah. when Brad Dorif and yeah, it's it's got an unfortunate ending though, um, those, a studio interference type ending. But um, there's enough there. It's based on Legion. One of the best jump scares yeah. though. One of the best jump yes. scares of any movie ever. Yeah, everybody ever. still talks about that. Yeah, true. Yeah, I believe. Uh, uh, yeah, he takes over for the Legion yes. Cobb role, right? Because but uh, the, yeah, Paul, the Paul the Paul Schrader right. and Rennie Harlan, those those are. Um, I can't really recommend those. How come Pauline Kael didn't talk I think about? She had those. already de- departed. Probably at did. That point. Probably was. Uh, yeah, she, she had, dead she by had already. <laughs> she'd already fallen down think, the Georgetown stairs. I think. I think, I think certainly by. I, I think. So. <laughs> Stop it! You're making my mouth water. I'm I'm one of those people that really can't stand Pauline Kael. She hated Raider. She hated Superman the movie. She hated 2001. She hated Dirty Harry. And she now I just found fun. out tonight she hated The yeah. Exorcist. So uh, no surprise. No surprise. Uh, no surprise. Uh, Mark, in your opinion, is there anything? Uh, is there any, any like follow up with anything? Exorcist just- three is wonderful, except for as Burke said, the last ten minutes, which was a studio plug in because they had to have an exorcist exorcism. But the rest of the film <laughs> is wonderful. Uh, what's his face from who played the doc on uh, Walking Dead is yeah. in it. Uh, who uh, lived, uh, his mom lived like two blocks from me in Thomasville. So my kids go over there to have a birthday party and who's there? <laughs> What's his face from the, <laughs> from the walking dead sort of doing scratch ah, off. He's in, uh, but he, yeah, yeah. In cold blood as well. He's Scott also Wilson. in cold blood. Yeah, yeah. In cold blood. He's Talking in the Scott right Wilson. stuff, but he's also in, yeah, he's Scott also Wilson, in the yeah. ninth yeah. configuration. And, uh, and he, he, a wonderful guy, he's not no longer with us, but I talked with him in an elevator one time. And I just said, man, what do you think about all this? People just seem to love me nowadays. I mean, he was more yeah. popular at his age, but anyway, he was great. But, um, the other ones, all of them, everyone, especially Exorcist 2, I've heard people say, you know what? Exorcist 2 has got to be rethought and all that kind of stuff. So I sat down, I hadn't seen it in 40 years, watched it. And I was like, that yeah, is not crap. So good. That Great is Ennio Morricone score. Burton, I, 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, great, great Ennio Morricone score. But the movies crap. The the ones that Burke was talking about later are crap. I have, I am very nervous about this. The only thing that would get me to pull into seeing this thing is that Ellen Burstyn's in it. And I, you know what, I would love, I would love to see the reviews and they go, hey. This is yeah. fantastic. Oh, my goodness. They finally got it. Okay, I'll, I'll be there. But, to me, it just looks like, um, oh, you thought one girl possessed by the devil was scary. How about two? You know, it's like. Yeah. <laughs> they should possess the girls right. from The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Mike, have you seen any of the follow-ups? Uh, any interest? I saw the second one. After that, I was like, nah, this just didn't do it for me. Third one's good. You should check it out. When you uh, so the, the second one I know is on Max. I don't know where the others are, so I can't really recommend. I, I don't uh, know. The third one is on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it's, a good, it's actually pretty good. Uh, Scott and everybody else in the movie's good. It's got warmth to it as well as the horror. That's mm-hmm. what's good about it. You know. So uh so we'll look to you to Rebecca to 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 let us know whether or not that the new one is uh is worth checking out. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll 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 follow you and and see. And then uh but as far as this one goes, I think we all agree it's a classic. There's still a lot to discuss about yeah. this one and you know, I'm sure we'll be we will be discussing it uh you know, years from now, 50 more years from now. But uh In the meantime, uh, thank you guys for joining us so much. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to close out the show. This is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. I enjoyed my trip recently to the theater to see A Haunting in Venice. So I'm excited we're starting to see some of the fall movies come out. The big movie coming out this weekend, which I'm both looking forward to and I have some reservations about, is the creator from uh, Gareth Edwards, who's known for his work on Star Wars Uh, Rogue One. This one stars John David Washington, who I loved in uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. And he stars in this world where there's a battle between AI and robots and humans. And then he's trying to hunt down this super weapon that could destroy the world. And it's actually an AI in the form of a young child. So obviously some interesting ethical quandaries he's going to have to sort through there. Why I'm excited, I mean, it looks like a big budget sci-fi. I love any time we can get these expansive science fiction setting stories on the big screen. I mean, people are talking a lot about AI and the ethics surrounding that right now, so it's a very timely film. Um, It's also something original. It's not based on a franchise with like 50 other movies, so I'm really excited to see something fresh and new. The only thing that gives me pause is the release date. Late September is technically not one of those weekends where you're like, wow, this is where Hollywood's going to put the movies that we're super confident about that are going to blow up the box office and make a whole bunch of money. So the fact it's coming out at this sort of off time kind of makes me wonder if maybe the studio is not as confident in it as they could have been, but I personally hope it's good and I hope I get to see it in IMAX. 
And that's it for this week's box office buzz over on the small screen. I'm hearing some good things about um, Ahsoka, as I've mentioned on the ESO podcast blog. I'm taking a little break from Disney Plus right now, but I'm looking forward to catching up on that once that finishes airing. But always good to see some more star storytelling. And speaking of the ESO blog, if you're looking for more entertainment-related content, I write about movies, TV, and lots of other entertainment things over there. Hi, I'm Gina Shock from the Go-Go's, fabulous drummer of the Go-Go's. Hi, this is Tony Levin of King Crimson. Hi, this is David Fishoff of the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Hi, this is Richard Evans. I am the author of Listening to the Music the Machines Make. Hi, this is Teresa Kariakis, punk rock photographer. Hi, I'm Tom Bojour, author of Nothing But a Good Time, and you are listening to Modern Musicology. Modern Musicology. Modern Musicology. You're listening to Modern Musicology, so, you know, pay attention, you might learn something. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the makeup revolution, DC Comics, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn makeup collab. I love a good nerdy makeup collection, and I love it even more when it's not just based off a movie or a TV show. Makeup Revolution has a new makeup club out in Walmart based off of Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, and it's very much inspired by their comic book art. And it looks great. They have eyeshadow palettes, eyeliners in red and green, fun Poison Ivy makeup brushes, a makeup bag with Harley Quinn on one side and Poison Ivy on the other, green lipstick for poison ivy red for harley it's just its own giant mood and i love it i absolutely love it when a company actually does some research and makes their products fit the characters that they're portraying the palette color stories fit the characters so well there are two small eyeshadow palettes with nine colors each one representing each of the villainous ladies and then a larger palette with both of them on it They have gorgeous greens, lots of reds, pinks, and blacks, and it's just an amazing mood. And they work so well for everyday fun makeup looks as well as cosplay needs. Makeup Revolution's eyeshadows are generally wonderfully pigmented, and they blend out really, really well from the palettes that I have used of theirs in the past. And again, it's really, really nice to see them adding to their DC Comics line and not just going for whatever movie or TV show is hot at the moment for their license releases. And I know Harley and Ivy are in their own TV show, but the art is very much comic-inspired, not show-inspired. So that's one thing that just makes me love this even more. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Mr. Maddox, thank you as always, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on. It was great. I, I love doing the Halloween episodes. And uh, thanks for having me on for this, you know, discussing this great film. I appreciate it. Very much so. Anything you want to promote or shout out about, sir? Well, 
<laughs> Frankenstein, the true story, the epic saga behind it. I know all of you have seen this thing on Facebook the last couple of days. Oh, yeah. But the uh, I did the front and the back it. cover and a bunch of artwork from previous uh, iterations of this. The only thing that makes me sad is that, and you know this, I don't know if you guys talked about this already on the show or not, but it yes. seems like we lost we David did. McCallum yes. this week. Unfortunately. And that is, that is a yes. massive loss to me. Um, anyway, to me, the thing is with David McCallum is I know you guys, and I don't think I'm going to be able to do it, is the H.P. Lovecraft episode for Halloween, is that he was, before I ever read an H.P. Lovecraft story, I had audiobooks of, of him reading H.P. Right. Lovecraft, and he was yeah. excellent at it. I love him in so many things. Hell Drivers, yeah. The Great Escape, Man from Uncle, Frankenstein, The True Story, which he is superb yeah. in. And, uh, Outer Limits. You know, um, Outer <laughs> yeah. Limits, thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and two episodes. Yes. As a matter of fact, one of them was like a proposed TV series. Um, so it's a massive loss. But anyway, the book about Frankenstein, the true story, I'm proud to be a part of it. To me, in my opinion, it's one of this four or five great horror uh, television movies uh, of all time. Uh, and it was a big success when it came out, and so there's a big book of it coming out by Sam Irvin. It's actually out. You can get it's it like on an Amazon. Awesome book. But at the same time, thank you, and at the same time, I'm just sad yeah. about David McCallum being gone. A good tribute so to him. Weird, so. It's funny. A lot of younger people just know him from NCIS. Right. Yeah. They, yes. They don't including know him. My, including my girlfriend. That's, that's just it. You know. I got to spend a few days in the same room with him. I talked to him for like probably a total of 40 seconds. Super nice guy. And he sounded like Edward G. Robinson. Get away from me, kid. You bother me. Security! <laughs> Thanks again, all. Staring at me. No, but I, I yeah. love David McCallum. I really do. We good, long, long, he's good long life the guy had. 90. Sure. Very much so. 90. 90. And Rebecca, thank you, my dear. Oh, well, thank you as always. Um, I'm always happy to talk to you guys and always happy to talk horror. So I'm glad to come back. And again, if you ever decide to do a horror spinoff uh, on your gal. Let's talk about it after the show. That might not be a bad idea. What, uh, what's your next show? What do you got? Um, well, my business, uh, Monster Kid ATL, uh, who, uh, which uh, have a lot of great uh, vintage horror toys and games and model kits. Um, I'm going to be at uh, Spookala down in Tampa next weekend. And uh, then I will be at the Little Five Points Halloween Festival uh, uh, here in Atlanta. And then uh, the weekend before Halloween, I will be at Monsterama, uh, which is a very cool little uh, classic horror convention. So you're just sort of taking it easy, cool. not very, not yeah. a whole lot of stuff going on. No, she's not. This is my busy season. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That is awesome. And Burke, you made it through your first episode with us. Yeah, right? thanks for putting up with me. Oh, dude, you hope were awesome. I hope you I contributed. I, I, I do tend to Absolutely. yammer, as they say. Oh, that's a, that's a pleasant <laughs> podcast. That's why we have Maddox yes. on the show. <laughs> it was good to meet all of you thanks, guys, favor. except for Maddox, who I've known since for, I think, a couple of, maybe. I yeah, think we, we were yeah. 15. Yeah, so it's not 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 fun to meet Maddox, but fun to meet all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, 
It's fun to have someone else pick on him for once. Good. You tired? You tired, Faber? Oh, always, <laughs> always. Anything you want to shout out about or promote, sir? Um, yeah. Well, I have a I have a podcast about movies, and uh, it's called Cinemondo. Um, we've been doing it for a long, long time, and and it's it and it's still fun. And uh, and I have a, another music podcast called Confusing and Ambiguous, um, which is what it is to talk about music, I think. But check out Cinemondo. Cinemondo is, uh, I think, it's right up your alley, I think. Oh, it sounds yeah. awesome. We it go way sound- back. We actually published, uh, speaking of Atlanta, um, I lived there for about seven years, about 40 years ago. And in the 80s, uh, my friend Kathy and I published a magazine called Cinemondo in Atlanta. And um, we got fairly popular. It was pretty popular. And then many, many, many years later out here, she lives out here. My friend Mark, who used to live in Atlanta, all of us kind of migrated out here to L.A. And not to, you know, about maybe five or six years ago, Kathy said, we should resurrect Cinemondo as a podcast. So it it had its origin in Atlanta. Very cool. Very cool. We'll have, definitely have links to it up on our oh, show cool. notes and everything. So definitely. We, did, we did some uh, Star Trek episodes yes. uh, on offshoot, I guess, uh, of the classic Star Trek. We've done uh, – you, you guys did a bunch of episodes I've been on. Yeah, we were going to try to do an episode for every episode of Star Trek. And uh, we they, the time between them kind of got longer <laughs> and longer and – we're still going to do it, but uh, it's just we, we're going to – the time has to be right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. And, Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, Rebecca already uh, mentioned it, but I uh, need to talk about Monsterama. Uh, the theme this year is uh, Sinbad and the Eye of Monsterama. There is some Sinbad-heavy programming there. Uh, well, they have uh, Patrick Wayne as a guest, as well as Carolyn Monroe. Um, big headliner, Star Trek-related. Uh, Star Trek's to the Wrath of Khan director, also the director of Time After Time and various other movies and writer of Sherlock Holmes stories. Nicholas Meyer will be there. Very excited about that, um, as well as a bunch of other guests. I am a track director in charge of programming. So I'm uh, working right now on a lot of different panels that we're doing. Um, it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, we've got some great stuff lined up. It is uh, the weekend of uh, uh, October 27th through the 29th, so it's at the end of the month. Uh, perfect for spooky season, perfect way to end the month. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, glad to hear you're going to be there, Rebecca. That's going to be pretty cool. I might pull you to be on some panels. Uh, our good friend oh. J.R. Mounts is going to be there. There's some other familiar faces going to be there as well. So uh, check it out if you're in the Atlanta area and, uh, we'll post links to it in our show notes and I'll be posting all about it this month as well. It's the only year I've missed. Wow. I know. And I want to go. That's why I agreed to do programming this year. Cause I was like, uh-huh. Oh, Mike's not there. Well, Maddox's not going to be there. So it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I exactly. am. This is the one. We're going to get to watch it, get drunk and dance on the dance to, you know, on the dance floor drunk. That's hey. going to be sad. Now, now Rebecca, I can dance. Can I? 
I well, mean, anyway, that's that's a you, can, you can <laughs> kind of yeah. you're terrible. All right. I, I, anyway, so anyway, it was it was, but I'm I'm sad, but yeah, it's the I'm same sad you're not as our Halloween you. party. Yeah, I mean, but next year we've already got it maneuvered to where it'll be off of our Halloween party weekend. Linda okay. and I have a, our party, so mm. that's it. I'm gonna be sad to miss it also this year, sadly enough, because I'll be yep. traveling. No, but uh, I am. Uh, yes, I'll hold down the fort. Of course. Thank you. Of course, of course. Send me pictures. My shout out real quick is uh, one of my favorite TV shows that I've been currently watching is coming to an end this week over on FX. Um, it's called The Reservation Dogs, and it is an amazing, amazing TV show. Um, basically, it's about the indigenous uh, te- teens, youth. Um, on the reservations in Oklahoma and just their everyday lives and everything. And it's not, it's not your typical sitcom. It's not your typical drama. It is pure. It gets into the culture of growing up as an Indian a native American and today's society. And it's really, really amazing. Uh, it's all starring, all in native cast and it's also written and directed and created pretty much by um creators and it's just amazing um the staff and everything and the stories they come up with and the first three seasons flew by and it's just amazing they're 10 episodes each and they're definitely worth watching and i know a lot of folks aren't um a lot of big fans of uh Taika Waititi, and he basically is the executive producer on it, and he let them have free reign on this to do what they wanted to do, and it is just awesome. And it's the first uh, TV series to be filmed entirely in Oklahoma for the first season. They went actually went out to California for the second season at towards the end of it, and it's it's just it's just a great great story, and it's a great series. So I definitely will miss this one. And, you know, it's it's just awesome. So definitely check it out if you get a chance. All right, folks, that is going to wrap us up for another week and another exciting adventures and spooky. And we've got more spooky next week, folks. So it's going to be pretty fun with that. Thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast. Always remember, we couldn't do this without you. If you want to support the podcast, please check out our T Public store and get at some really cool ESO Network swag. Also, remember, if you want to help support the show before the rest of the world, why not check us out on the ESO Network Patreon? All you have to do is for as little as a dollar a month, you can help support us here at our station one. Check out patreon.com slash ESO Network. We want to hear from you, of course. Please write us anytime at feedback at station1.com. Remember, you can also find our station one wherever fine podcasts are found. And now, of course, our station one can be found in video format up on YouTube. And as a little bonus for watching us up on video, we now have bonus material only available for our YouTube channel. And it doesn't cost anything, folks. It's all free. Why not check it out? You know, folks when we, uh, who listen to us on audio, when we take a break, you know, for you guys to listen to Ashley, Angela, and Michelle segments, you know, we do extra bonus stuff for the YouTube folks. So it's actually kind of fun and as you folks on YouTube for this episode, we went places I didn't even expect that topic to go to. 
So it's always fun with that. If you made it this far into the video or into the podcast, why not, you know, hit the subscribe button? Seem to enjoy it. So please, we'd love you guys to subscribe and always, you know, give us a thumbs up or like or leave feedback. We would always appreciate that. On behalf of myself, of course, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Rebecca Perry, Mark Maddox, and of Burke Sauls, thank you so much for joining us. Folks, we couldn't do this without you. We'll see you here next time on our station one. Peace. And you remember, if you see shadows creeping up behind you, be afraid. All right, we're done. Peace. Cool. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.